this Big 12 Game of the Week uh, final edition of Texas and Oklahoma in the Big 12 on the Big 12 College Experience. Part of the Sports Giving Podcast Network is brought to you by Game Time. Snag those tickets without stress. Use the promo code SGPN on your first purchase. Save $20. Download the Game Time app and use the promo code CFBX. Uh, we're also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog has just added Pick'em Scorchers where you can hit up to 100 times the value. Uh, that's right. Your turn to turn $5 into $500. Plus, every Sunday, they're giving away $100,000. Use the promo code SGPN at Underdog Fantasy for a 100% deposit bonus up to Welcome, everybody, back to the Big 12 College Experience, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. We're moving along in the Big 12 slate. We got two unbeatens, the final time in the Big 12 before uh, they, they head off to that conference, the Southeastern Conference. Uh, well documented. I am not a fan of either of these teams, but I'm a big fan of this game. I'll be the first to tell you I love the Red River Shootout. Um, yes, we still call it the Red River Shootout here over on the Big 12 College Experience. But if you're wondering who you're listening to, I am Moneyline Mac, a.k.a. the former, former video coordinator for Bob Huggins and Frank Martin. No Troy and no Rush today. They are out. Uh, they're, they're boycotting uh, because Oklahoma and Texas are leaving the Big 12. So you're just stuck with me. But I got a special guest coming on to talk Red River Shootout. Before we bring him on, let's talk about this rivalry. Texas leads the all-time series 63-50. to 50. Texas is coming off the biggest margin of victory for the Longhorns, 49-0 in year one of the Brent Venables era. Before that, Oklahoma had won four in a row. Oklahoma had been kind of having the upper hand in this rivalry, but all of a sudden now Steve Sarkeesian uh, able to right the ship last year. They go 49-0 over the Oklahoma Sooners. So that means revenge on the mind of the Sooners. So let's bring in, uh, and you know, Texas fans and Oklahoma fans, this is even better. I'm bringing in an Aggie to talk Red River Shootout, and he is Mr. J. Arnold. He is from the Get Back Coach. He's over at the Aggie War Pod. Jay, what's going on, man? Former Texas A&M Aggie, former Big 12 uh, member. How are you doing, my man? Hey, Mac. I appreciate you having me on. I mean, it, it is it is funny, right, being the Aggie coming on to talk about the Red River Shootout, but... Uh, I am a college football fan first and foremost before anything. And this is one of the few games in, in college football that I would say is is fine with being a neutral site game and one of the games that you have to attend if you're a fan of the sport. A hundred percent. And, you know, they got to keep it at the Cotton Bowl. They got to keep it uh, with, with the state fair. So, Jay, you're from the Dallas area. Talk about just growing up, like you said, you're a fan of this game. You did play Texas A&M, but you're like me. You don't like either of these teams, but you like you like this game. You like the culture. This is college football. Texas, Oklahoma, they fucking hate each other. It's fantastic. 
Yeah, uh, this is again, like what, like I said, one of those games that I think is just circled every year as a, as a great rivalry game. And growing up in DFW, it was a big part of the fall. I mean, it's it's held there at the State Fair in Texas uh, at the old Cotton Bowl site. Uh, which, by the way, I, I'm kind of mad that the game isn't played there anymore. The actual Cotton Bowl, uh, yeah. but we still have the Red River Shootout, and it it, it provides some incredible visuals. I mean, you, you go to the game, and the stadium is pretty much split 50-50 with the crimson of, of Oklahoma and the burnt orange of Texas. It's just really cool to see. And it, it's such a historical game. Uh, I've been lucky enough to attend it once myself. And I mean, the atmosphere is just incredible. Uh, the, the state fair just kind of adds to everything. Everybody's going in to, to have a good time and man, it, it should be another fantastic edition of the game this year with uh, both of these teams looking to cement themselves atop the big 12. A hundred percent. And so what year did you go? Because I got the history of the rivalry pulled up. Do you know? Do you remember off the top of your head which year it was? I do not. I want to say it was either fifteen or sixteen. Fifteen uh, or sixteen was that? Yeah. Uh, was that the year that Charlie Strong pulled the upset? Yes, it was yes, the year that Charlie yes. Strong pulled the upset. See, uh, yeah. and, and I grew up an OU fan, so I, I mean, <laughs> if I have to pick a team to root for, I'm going to pick OU. Obviously, oh yeah. And you're an uh, Aggie. And I'm an Aggie. So yeah. it's, it's just kind of double. And my sister went to OU. I went to A&M. So I have a lot of reasons to, to root against Texas. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's, again, game recognizes game. And, and this is one of the most fun matchups that you get in, the, in a college football year. A hundred percent. And, you know, we're going to dive into first up, we'll do the Oklahoma Sooners, but we'll do it on the other side. Then we'll do those filthy Texas Longhorns after. But first we got to talk about game time, because if you're looking to get over to the Cotton Bowl, you want to get over to the Red River shootout, the final Big 12, buy your tickets. Uh, It shouldn't be that stressful. You shouldn't be uh, pinching every little last penny in in your wallet just to get over the Cotton Bowl. You just want to have a nice funnel cake. Uh, get drunk at the game, have a good time. Game time is the best way to do so. Um, and the fastest, easiest way to buy tickets for all sports, comedy, music, and a theater near you with killer last-minute ticket deals and your best price guaranteed so you can stop stressing over and start getting hype for the Red River Shootout. Um, yeah, I mean, planning's overrated. Game time has the deals you need right up to the uh, day of the game. I used game time this week, and I actually went to UNLV in Hawaii at that Raider stadium. And, you know, I last minute got on, got on game time, best price guaranteed and uh, exclusive flash deals for tickets, football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, and more. Um, and they give you images of the seat. So you're not stuck behind a pole and obstructive view where you get ripped off. Uh, buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps and you're set tickets sent directly to your phone. So you don't even have to dig through your email and use the promo code CFBX. Um, we are also brought to you by, oh, whoa, I, you know, I was jumping ship there. So we're back on the big 12 college experience. I'm used to having another ad read, but we're, 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 uh, we're working smarter over here and less ad reads <laughs> here. And that's good. That's, that means we can talk more Sooners and Longhorns. Um, so the Sooners kind of a cupcake, I, I, not kind of, they had a cupcake non-con schedule, took care of business, Arkansas state, Tulsa, SMU was a solid win. 2-0 and to start. What's your initial thoughts on the Sooners in year number two of the Brett Venables era? Uh, to be honest with you, I still don't have a feel for what this Oklahoma Sooners team is. Uh, you know, it's like you said, I mean, there wasn't a lot in the non-con schedule to kind of give us a hint. Uh, the SMU win is probably their best win so far. Uh, 
you know, I, you could make the argument that Cincinnati or Iowa State, but uh, you look at Cincinnati and Cincinnati hasn't done too much in non-con and, and Iowa State has struggled as well. Uh, you know, I still wonder, uh, you know, how the defense is going to look when they go up against some better offenses. Uh, obviously, that was the big issue with, with Oklahoma last year is they didn't really have an identity. Uh, you know, at least with like the Lincoln Riley era, you knew what you're going to get out of OU. Yeah. You knew it was going to be a, an incredible offense and a defense with holes. Uh, we didn't really see offensive or defensive, uh, you know, identity last year. There, there was like it just seemed like a team that struggled to know who they were. Uh, this year, I think it's been a little bit better defensively. Uh, which, to be fair, you would expect him to take a step forward. Brent Venables is a defensive-minded guy. Uh, offensively, I think they've been solid. You know, not like overly impressive, but good enough. Uh, but again, this is the biggest test of the year so far, and I think we find out more about what the Sooner squad is when they play Texas in the Cotton Bowl. Completely agree. And and, and Jay, I, I think last year was such a – it was obviously a down year. It was the first – Losing season in since the '90s for the Oklahoma Sooners when they lost that bowl game to uh, Florida State. I think one of the main reasons, though, was I mean not to blame it on injuries, but when you lose a guy like Dylan Gabriel, he was kind of the heart and soul of that team, and he's done nothing but light it up. I know against kind of a softer schedule, which is what we're talking about: fifteen touchdowns and two interceptions, uh, over sixteen hundred yards. I mean. Troy, one of our other co-hosts on the Big 12 College Experience, gives out his player props literally every single week, and he hits you over. Uh, what, what, what are your thoughts on Gabriel in year number two in this uh, Jeff Lebby offense? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's definitely executed. And, and to your point, uh, you always wonder how it's going to be with a guy from injury. And I think Gabriel does have some some limitations, too, uh, that we saw at his time at UCF and, and the limited time that we saw him last year. Uh, but there's no doubt that that this OU squad is better with Dylan Gabriel out there on the field. And I think he's improved as well this year and has taken a step forward in his game. Uh, again, we'll see if they, he can keep that up now that the competition's ramped up a little bit. Uh, but by the same token, I mean, I, I do – I'm a fan of Dylan Gabriel. I think he brings a lot to the table. Uh, and, and, you know, not having him last year against Texas was definitely – uh, a big part in why the Sooners struggled uh, as mightily as they did. You know, I'm not, I'm not expecting the Sooners to put up another goose egg in 2023. I'll put it that way. Uh, Brent Venables better hope that they don't put up <laughs> another 49 nothing goose egg or his ass might be on the hot seat. That gets me right into my next question. Brent Venables, uh, longtime defensive coordinator for Dabo Sweeney. Clemson has had their struggles since Venables has left. I mean, kind of feels like he was a little bit of the backbone of that defense, of that culture there at Clemson. What do you think of Venables in the fit at Oklahoma? Obviously, he worked for Stoops forever, so bringing him back home, one of their own, like they like to say, transitioning over from that Lincoln Riley. You talked about the identity where you just knew with Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts, they just want to get up and down and outscore you. And it got into the playoff, but then we kind of see with USC, like you're not going to win the hard big games that way. Do you think that Venables is the right guy to get this Oklahoma Sooners team to the next level and to the next level and what's going to be the SEC next year? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's still kind of early in his tenure. We don't know exactly what the Venables experience is going to be. Uh, I do think that Oklahoma was kind of in a bad spot, right? They weren't expecting Lincoln Riley to leave. 
Uh, and I think that Venables was the right guy to hire in that moment because of what you mentioned with the Bob Stoops ties, uh, being more of a, an Oklahoma cultural guy. Uh, I think they needed a little bit of stability uh, to at least tide them over. Uh, I don't know that Venables is going to be the guy that leads Oklahoma uh, in the SEC, right? Like, I, I'm not sure if he's going to be the guy that gets them over that hump. Uh, but I do think he was perfect for the situation that OU found themselves in uh, after Lincoln Riley left. And I, I think he's gotten a bit of a uh, unfair shake just because of the way the first year went and because of the situation that he walked into. Uh, you look at, you know, the quarterback play that you mentioned that OU has had. Uh, I mean, going back Heisman's. to, yeah, Baker Mayfield <laughs> yeah. and Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts. I mean, uh, and that's probably why I'm a little bit of a cloud of judgment on Dylan Gabriel as well, is just because those are the guys that he's trying to fill the shoes up. Caleb, uh, Williams. Caleb Williams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's like, man, that's a, it's a tough situation for everybody around this program to have walked into. Uh, and, and that's why I, I was always kind of like a, a wait and see approach on Venables. Uh, and, you know, he's still doing a good job recruiting as well. And that's going to be a big aspect of, of OU success in the SEC as well, just because everybody uh, in the conference is going to be recruiting at a very high level. Uh, but as for will he keep his job and 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 continue to be successful at OU or, or find the level of success that OU is striving for, I don't know yet. Uh, I think, I think yeah. this game is going to tell us a lot, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, I think – it's a tough matchup for OU, and I don't know if they come out and win this game, but you want to see OU at least be very competitive. Uh, and I, I think, you know, if, it, if it's kind of a dominant win for Texas, uh, Venables is kind of come under some pressure, fair or not, from the OU fan base, just because of the success that the Sooners have had against Texas recently. Uh, but again, this is, this is why we watch fo college football. I mean, there's a lot of yeah. questions that we have to answer. It, I, I, that's what I keep going with in this game. Like I have no idea who I'm going to pick up. The line is set at six and a half or whatever it is now. Um, I, I still don't know which way I'm leaning on that one. I'll probably end up going with the Sooners, but um, I, I, there's just so much unknown with Venables, Dylan Gabriel, because of the schedule that they play. We've seen Texas going to Alabama, so they're proven. Let, let me talk on a macro aspect here with Oklahoma. You obviously you grew up an Oklahoma fan, Oklahoma Sooner fan. You you have family that likes Oklahoma. You got friends that like Oklahoma. Do they are they happy that they're leaving the Big Twelve? Because I I sense that it, it's kind of that like fear of missing out. That if Texas leaves, they want to be a part of it. They want to keep the Red River Shootout. But like when you think of the Big Twelve, man, you you think of Oklahoma and just the dominant era it's been over the last. 20, 30 years, and, and they've made great runs in this league. What's what's the pulse of this uh, fan base leaving the Big 12 in their final year? It's mixed. I think, like you talked about, they, they feel kind of forced into making a move just because yeah. it's such an arms race with college football right now, and, and you have to find – you have to keep up with the Joneses, as it were. Uh, and, and like you talked about, OU has been pretty much the face of the conference uh, since the conference was founded. And I mean, to be fair, like the Big 12 hasn't been around for that long on the on the grand scheme of things, right? Like it, it was the Southwest Conference and the and the Big Eight coming together. Big eight, and yeah, you have you have like all the. Uh, it's not as historically uh, bound as some of the other conferences, but I mean, we just saw what happened in the Pac-12, so it's not like history is is the biggest uh, factor in the world. But uh, I think the 
biggest thing that I've talked to with, with OU fans is, you know, they've always looked at it as their two biggest rivalries are Texas and Nebraska. And Nebraska made the jump to the Big Ten. Obviously, like the level of success that Nebraska has had isn't really, you know, something that's wearing on OU. But this thing is probably moving towards like a, a, a Super League type deal. And I think most OU fans, as much as they'd like to stay in the Big 12, where it's kind of a, uh, a lot of fun for them as a, as a program and, and a lot of good memories that they've had in the Big 12 – you just kind of have that pressure to to be able to uh, keep up with the arms racing college football and make it to the SEC and, and be prepared for the next stage of realignment. Is that I'm glad you mentioned Nebraska because that's the team that kind of pops in my mind. Where is Oklahoma about to be the next Nebraska? Where they go from being the class, the 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 team that's in the hunt every single year in the Big Twelve to a mediocre big 10 because they really don't fit. I mean, I feel like Texas and Oklahoma will fit in fine in the sec, but like, like you said, Oklahoma's kind of in Texas been the face of the big 12, especially Oklahoma with the success is the fear from the sooner fans that they could potentially become the next Nebraska and ultimately be irrelevant. Just a mediocre team. That's making a lot of money from the TV deals. Yeah. There's definitely some of that concern, but I think OU is better prepared uh, for the shifting conference, for one thing, you're still playing against Texas schools. Oklahoma's biggest recruiting base is the state of Texas, yeah. uh, so you're not losing that. Uh, OU, I think, has also been better at Nebraska than at recruiting nationally. Uh, they've gone into places like California or, or Florida and, and pulled a few athletes out of there. Uh, whereas Nebraska, you look at how they were so dominant in the 90s, especially, they were already starting to see a little bit of fall off in the 2000s. Yeah. Uh, now, do I think they sped it up by going to the Big Ten and losing access to Texas as a recruiting ground? Yes. Uh, but I just think that OU, uh, with the recruiting base that they've had and 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 the fact that, you know, it, it's not as dependent on uh, one state necessarily, I think OU will be better suited to making the transition to the SEC than Nebraska was going to the Big Ten. Understood. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with you that they're still going to be playing Texas and then obviously your Aggies. So um, we will transition over to the other, the dark side here on the other side. Uh, but first, we got to talk about Underdog Fantasy because it has a way to play alongside your favorite football team all season long. Underdog has introduced Scorchers. Go five for five and pick up Scorchers and enjoy a spicy a spicy 100,000 or 100 times payout. It could be 100,000 if you bet 100. Uh, from now until October the 4th, Underdog is matching up to 100%. That's one day left of your first deposits up to $500. $100,000 Sundays continue on Underdog Fantasy. Ten lucky players will win $10,000 each. Um, let's talk about a little Underdog players that we like this weekend. I think the defenses are going to show out in this Texas-Oklahoma game. I think it's going to be a field position, old-school game. So I'm looking at some unders on these player props. So when I when we get those on Thursday, tune back in, and let's hammer some unders in this Texas-Oklahoma game. Watch along, make your picks, maybe make a little bit of cash, Underdogs Mobile website, underdogfantasy.com. And when you use the sign-up promo code SGPN, Underdog will double your first deposit up to $500. Underdog Fantasy, promo code SGPN. And we're back on the Big 12 College Experience talking 
Red River Shootout with Jay Arnold from the Aggie War Pod and Get Back Coach. All right, Jay, uh, we put them off long enough. Uh, we talked about the other side, and I do have the line right here. Oklahoma, Texas, as right now, six and a half point favorite for uh, for those watching on YouTube.com slash uh, the college experience. Horns down is uh, the emoji down there on the on the bottom side of the screen. Jay, what are your thoughts on these Longhorns this year? I mean, the question every year is, is Texas back? Well, I'll ask you, is Texas back? <laughs> Uh, it hurts me to say this. It hurts me to say this so much, but I think that this Texas team is a playoff contender. Uh, I think this team is a national championship contender. Part of that is I don't think anybody stepped up and proven themselves as a true number one in the nation this year. Uh, it feels like there's a little bit more parity, but also Texas is just good. Uh, they have struggled in the trenches, both sides of the ball, uh, the past few years. And it feels like they've taken that step up there on the offensive and defensive lines. And, and that's why they're having more success. You know, uh, Quinn Ewers, I think, has had some good games, some bad games. Obviously, he looked great against Alabama. Uh, and I think this Texas team in general has a tendency to play their level of competition. Uh, the problem with that line of thinking is Oklahoma is their highest level of co- competition they've had so far. So you would expect uh, another good game. I'm sorry. Highest level of competition outside of Alabama. Uh, yes. But the, the Sooners are, I mean, and this, you're always going to get up for this game anyway, right? It's a rivalry game, uh, you know, similar to the backyard brawl where West Virginia is always going to get up for Pitt. Uh, Each hit when, Pitt. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> uh, w- when you have a team across from you that you hate, uh, it's always easier to play a little bit harder. And I think you're going to see the Longhorns come out and, and, and play pretty well. Uh, so to answer the question, are is Texas back? I mean, it depends on what you mean by back, but I do think they are a national title contender this year. Yeah, that's such a bland question. I mean, I, from their standpoint, <laughs> they think they're going to the national championship. Hold off on that. You still, yeah. Let's see you beat Oklahoma and then and win a couple There's more a games. A lot of football left. <laughs> Correct, and we've seen Texas still has to go uh, road trips to Houston. I know Houston's not very good, but that's an in-state battle. They still got to go to. Uh, Fort Worth, they still play the the Texas Tech guys as well, and Oklahoma. So plenty of trap games uh, left for the Longhorns that we've talked about over the years. They just have found ways to lose games. They've gotten they've gotten some breaks here recently. They played three straight backup quarterbacks, but I think you are a hundred percent right, Jay. And you can't deny the talent. They went to Alabama, shut up the critics. Why has Steve Sarkeesian been able to get the right guys? It seems into this uh, program. Uh, to surround Quinn Ewers because I think Quinn Ewers is a little bit overrated to be honest, but I think his team around him is really good. Yeah, I mean, you look at the guys that Sarkis coached under for one, right? I mean, yeah, Pete Carroll, Saban. Nick Saban. Yeah, I mean that that's a that's a pretty good lineage to come from. Uh, you know, I think that Sark has always been a pretty good recruiter. Uh, he, he's been a guy that has learned a lot. I mean you don't go to that Alabama staff and, and learn from Saban and, and not come away as a better recruiter. Uh, we've seen it with Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. We've seen it with Loxley at Alabama or at Maryland. I mean, there, there's, you name it, there's a lot of coaches and obviously there's been varying levels of success, but I think the reason that Sarkeesian is, is doing better is because he has placed an emphasis on getting those guys uh, up front to, to kind of protect a guy in, in Quinn Ewers. Because uh, if you have a cleaner pocket, it's a lot easier to be a better quarterback. Yeah, and the skill guys on the outside are as good a group as in the country. Them probably 
Washington and Ohio State are probably the three best receiving cores. Um, talk, talk a little bit about Quinn Ewers. Uh, it's a crowded quarterback room, obviously, with Murphy and Manning. I, I, I think uh, if he had started slow at all, they would have been calling for either backup, just with you know how delusional the Texas fans are. Why has Quinn Ewers been able to kind of weather the storm? And, and he played probably his best game at Alabama. Yeah, part of it is the weapons around him, right? Like when you have guys like Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, like that makes you look better as a quarterback. Yes. Uh, and then again, I mean, uh, Jonathan Brooks as a running back, I've been impressed with his game a lot. I think he's somebody that's not talked about as much. And part of that is because of the steps of the shoes that he's filling, right? Yeah. I mean, when you're when you're following B. John Robinson, it's, it's hard to uh, live up to the expectation there. Uh, but I think like having those weapons around Quinn Ewers has, has helped them out a lot. Uh, and then again, I, Steve Sarkeesian is a brilliant offensive mind. And in, in my opinion, I think he's uh, a, a great game planner and, and knowing Quinn's limitations and, and what he does well and what he doesn't do well uh, helps to maximize what he can produce uh, out there on the field. And then the defense has stepped up, right? So like the defense is making plays, uh, most points allowed this year is 24 to that Alabama team that we mentioned. Uh, so it, it's when you have a lot of pieces around you, it kind of makes your job easier as a quarterback. Uh, but, you know, I, I agree with your point that if, if he had struggled at all, uh, there would have been a lot of calls for, for Arch right away, yeah. uh, especially now with the NIL money that I'm sure is, is involved uh, and boosters are, are, are involved with uh, – which is kind of a dynamic that's weird to talk about. But, uh, no, nah, I mean, sometimes out of a quarterback, all you want is, is somebody who's not going to turn the ball over too much. Uh, and Quinn's only thrown one interception this year, and I think that's a, another big part of his success. I, I agree with that. And, and, you, and you mentioned it, his his weapons, whether it's Worthy, Mitchell, Winningham, Sanders at the tight end, uh, it helps you make – it makes you look good. So, obviously, everybody thought that – Texas was going to be back headed into the year. It was a big national. It's not, it hasn't been a secret that they, they were talented. This is Sark's best team. If Texas is not going to win the big 12, because the whole narrative going into the year is this team is definitely going to win it. They're minus what? one fifteen to win it. I think now or minus one Oh five. So they're a heavy, heavy favorite, but we've seen them in this situation, lay an egg. We've seen them throw up all over themselves and find ways to lose weird road games. If Texas is not going to win the Big 12, despite having the best roster for about the 15th straight year, what what would be the reason why the Texas Longhorns did not win at all in Dallas this year? Uh, injuries can be a big factor, too. I think uh, that's not something to overlook is to really be a, a dominant team and a postseason team. You have to have a little bit of luck. I mean, just being 100% honest, like it, things have to go your way, uh, especially on the injury front. Uh, the only way that I really see Texas not winning uh, this Big 12 would be injuries, uh, especially if, if those are along the trenches up front. Because uh, there are some games left, like you said, that, you know, Texas should be favored throughout the year. But that doesn't mean that that, that won't shake out with, with Texas losing, yeah. right? Games aren't played on paper. Uh, and you know, if you're Texas, that – People are going to reserve their best stuff for you too. Yes. Uh, people are going to get into the playbook a little bit more, try to get you off script a little bit more. Uh, so there's going to be a little bit more aggression when when you have that top spot, you have a target on your back. Uh, now, I don't want Texas fans to read into that because 
you know they're going to talk about the uh, your Mark's comments before the season and, and the Big 12 <laughs> is out to get them. If you're the top dog, like if you're the team that's playing best in the conference, yes, everybody's going to be out to get you. So, yes. like, that's what you want. Uh, stop complaining about it. But uh, I will say, you know, like I probably – I do expect this team to slip up at some point, but it, it's going to be how they manage that, right? Yeah. Like – you can have a bad game like we just saw Georgia have against Auburn, but it's how you respond. Are you going to let that team jump up on you and, and, you know, kind of fold under the pressure or are you going to respond and, and eke out a win? And I think this Texas team has a little bit more resiliency than we've seen in the past too. Yeah. You're, you're, being kind. Fuck Texas. Uh, <laughs> they, 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 they act like they want the target on their back, but as soon as you say something about them, they, they start crying like you said, man, they, they are going to get everybody's best shot these last six, seven games. Um, and we'll see if they they don't lay an egg for a change. I mean, until they do it, I mean, there's – like, for example, a Kansas State could give them fits. And Iowa State has always given them fits. TCU. Um, let's talk about it <laughs> BYU. from you. I mean, their last BYU. two games BYU. BYU. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if Jalen did, they played three straight backup quarterbacks, the Alabama win, very impressive. But if Jalen Daniels plays, it was a six point game and a half. I know they ended up grinding it out on the ground and gashing them for 600 yards. That's because Kansas couldn't keep the football because they had their backup quarterback in the whole time. Yeah. But um, let's talk about it on a macro uh, aspect for you. You're Texas A&M, you're an Aggie. What's it going to be like getting that Texas Longhorns, Texas A&M Aggies rivalry back? That was always – I love that game. Yeah. Always, uh, what, on Black Friday or Thanksgiving night. I wish it was back in the Big 12, but even with it going to the SEC, I'm excited to see it again. Yeah, and, and it'll be interesting to see where they kind of place that game as far as the schedule and, and over the course of the season. Uh, but growing up in Texas, even as an OU fan, like my Thanksgiving tradition, wake up, watch the Cowboys – even though I wasn't a Cowboys fan and then, and then yeah. watch a uh, and and then Texas play. Uh, it, it was, it was just always a part of the culture for, for so long. And, you know, it, it sucked that egos of eighties got in the way and we couldn't keep playing that game when A&M moved to the SEC. Uh, Cause I think everybody except like the administration really wanted that game to keep happening. Uh, and they could have come together and, and, come up with a uh, solution, but as, as it tends to be with these types of administrations, uh, they didn't really want to talk to each other and the egos got in the way. Uh, yeah. With that being said, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that this game's coming back. Uh, even if, again, like you said, even if I wasn't uh, an Aggie, I, I would still want the A&M and Texas to play each other. Because uh, college football is at its best when you have regional rivalries. Uh, you know, like realignment, that, that's been my biggest complaint is, is the death of regional rivalries. Uh, for another example, I hate that the, the cast iron skillet's going away. I hate that, that uh, TCU, TCU SMU. and SMU is yeah, going away. 100%. I hate the Apple Cups going away with Washington yeah. and Washington State. Uh, yeah. You know, we, we didn't have backyard brawl for a while. That sucked. Uh, 100%. These, these, games, these games are what make college football so special. Uh, and I'm glad that, you know, even though – we're going to lose some games with Texas. I'm glad that we're getting one back in AM and, and the Longhorns meeting on the gridiron. I completely agree. Hey, and you know what? We were talking about the sensitivity of these Texas fans. We got one in the chat, this guy, uh, Green Webby or whatever, however the hell you pronounce his name. He says, I can't read the chat because I'm a West Virginia guy. Hey, careful there, man. The other only 2 0 <laughs> team in the Big 12. It's not just Texas and Oklahoma. And uh, let me remind you that Texas and Oklahoma. 
have not played in the Big 12 title game uh, for the last two years. That was Baylor, Oklahoma State, TCU, and K-State. So don't uh, don't uh, don't count your victories too soon yet, my friend. <laughs> but, uh, uh, Jay, let's talk about how you think this game on Saturday shakes out, though. You, I, I think I, from just this conversation over the last half hour, I think you lean Texas to get it done. Yeah, and I, I got Texas at uh, minus six. I know the line down there, it looks like we have is minus six and a half. I wouldn't be surprised to see some more movement on that in Texas's direction. Uh, again, like we go back to Texas kind of played at their level of competition. They'll play up against OU. Uh, I was at that Texas-Wyoming game. Uh, shout out to my, my Cowboys in the Mountain West. But, uh, you know, it, that game was tied going into the fourth quarter, 10-10. Yeah, uh, yeah. Against a backup against, quarterback. Yeah. yeah. Again, against Rice, they struggled. Yeah. Uh, to start the game out. Uh, obviously, you know, Kansas with a backup quarterback, you know, if yeah. Jalen Daniels is in, that's maybe a different game. But I think they also prepared a little bit better for Kansas. They'll be prepared for OU. Uh, I like the Longhorns covering this one. I got you. I'll give out my pick on Thursday. Uh, real quick before we get out of here, let's talk the other games. We've talked enough Texas, Oklahoma. Friday night, I, I mean, I can't remember the last time Mike Gundy's been a double-digit underdog at home. I mean, especially against K-State. I mean, this this game, they, they usually win this game against K-State in Stillwater, but it kind of speaks to volumes about how down Oklahoma State is, especially at the quarterback position. You got to lean in this one, um, headed into Friday night under the lights. Yeah, I mean – Look, Oklahoma State got blown out by South Alabama. I'm I'm leaning on Kansas State. I Uh, I just – I don't have any faith in this Oklahoma State team right now. Uh, They're not particularly good. They got the win earlier in the year against Arizona State. Is their their one FBS win. Uh, They struggled with Central Arkansas. I mean, there's just not a lot of positives in Stilly right now, and I just think Kansas State rolls. Yeah, I, it's it's hard to get behind Oklahoma State. This one's interesting because you don't know the status of either starting quarterback. You got Plumley, you got uh, you, you got Daniels. Hopefully, Daniels is back. I feel like that line kind of says they don't know who the hell's going to start a quarterback on Saturday. Yeah, and and that's the the big thing with this game is I it just I don't know who's going to be there. Uh, so it's always hard to make a prediction until we know who's going to be starting a quarterback for both teams, but. The one thing we do know so far this year is that the new Big 12 teams, BYU, Cincinnati, uh, UCF, and uh, Houston, have not beaten any of the teams that were already in the Big 12. Uh, and that's kind of a weird step to throw out, but for that reason, I'm taking Kansas. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, well, underachievement bowl here, Texas Tech, preseason <laughs> number four. Uh, you also could say the injury bowl because uh, Tyler Shuck goes down. Shape and came back. I don't know how the hell Baylor won last week. That was unbelievable down in Orlando. Um, Baylor's a favorite as of right now. It opened at three. Any any lean in this one? Yeah. So uh, we we like to refer to this as the butt game because you have uh, Baylor yeah, BU the, yes, and then yes. Texas Tech TT. <laughs> yes. But yes. Uh, now, nah, I mean, I don't really have a feel for this one. Again, Texas Tech without their starting quarterback. Shapen's back. Uh, I get why Baylor's favored here, uh, but. I, I just think that Texas Tech has has been a little bit better, uh, and I, I realize that there's struggles uh, without the quarterback uh, with shoot out, uh, but you know they 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 bounce back with a big one, Houston, and I realize that you know U of H isn't particularly great this year, uh, but I still think it was a it was an important win for them to get, and you know uh, 
I think Waco is kind of a little bit down right now as well. I think a lot of yeah. folks are, are kind of doubting the direction that, that Dave Veranda has the program headed in. Uh, so I'm, I'm leaning tech here. Well, they, and the ironic thing is it, it kind of started the downward spiral when McGuire left from Baylor to go to Texas Tech. So a little bit of a reunion here. Final game on the slate, uh, TCU at Iowa State. Both teams coming off losses. TCU, get that bullshit 14-point spread out of here. Mountaineers on the money line last Saturday in Fort Worth. Uh, Cyclones took a beat down from the Sooners, kind of got away from them in the second half. Uh what do you think here? Both teams need a bounce back win. It's a weird, yeah, it's a weird game. Very weird game. And, and, you know, Iowa state's always a very weird place to play. It feels like strange things always happen to names. Uh, I, I'm staying away from this game, to be honest with you. I, I just, every, everything about this one just feels like wrong as far <laughs> as like, I, I, like I don't have any gut, any gut instinct here. Uh, it should be an entertaining game. I think it'll probably be pretty sloppy. I'm expecting a bunch of turnovers. Uh, yeah. If I take anything, I'm probably going to take the under. That is fair. Um, so uh, it's kind of weird, weird week because you got five. You only got five games because you got who? Who's on a bye? BYU is on a bye, coming off the big Cincinnati Friday night win. I don't know how they won that game other than Emory Jones just completely self imploded. Um, Houston's on a bye. They uh, got the Holgerson Bowl against uh, the first place West Virginia Mountaineers. May I add in the Big Twelve, two and zero. Yeah, tied with uh, Texas and Oklahoma. So the only three two and zero teams are the Mountaineers, Sooners, and Longhorns. The Wildcats are one and zero. Prediction time for the whole season. I'm getting all your predictions because I, I got you. I got you for this 45 minute right. segment. Um, we get to Dallas here in two months. Who? I almost said cut down the net because basketball season's around the corner. Who is holding up that trophy <laughs> in Jerry World uh, first weekend in December? Yeah, I think it's probably the Longhorns. I know that's kind of the easy answer here, uh, but they just feel like the most complete team at this stage. Uh, you know, I think there could be some surprises as far as their opponent there. Uh, your Mountaineers looking really good right now. We know what that identity is. They're they're a, run a the physical run-the-ball <laughs> team, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, that could create some problems that uh, Kansas State's always a tough, tough program as the season wears on. They're one of those teams that seems to get better uh, later in the year just because they play a pretty physical brand of football. Uh, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I, I think Texas is the one that lifts the trophy in the Big 12, but uh, there's still a lot of football left to play. And, and I think you could be surprised about who's going to join Texas there in Arlington. I was going to say, if you had to predict right now, is this – Will we get to see Red River shoot out one last time in Jerry World? I think it's going to be Kansas State, if I, if I had to pick. I know that the Wildcats, you know, haven't looked particularly strong. Uh, but, again, I think they get better as the year goes on, and they'll be a tough team to beat. I can tell you what, the Oklahoma Sooners are thrilled that Kansas State is not on that schedule because <laughs> they've been kicking their ass these last couple of years. Look, look, uh, when I was when I was a Sooner fan and, and I saw Darren Sproles just go off against OU yes. in 2003 in the Big 12 championship game, uh, it broke my heart as a, as a, as a child. <laughs> they, so they, I, I get it. Yeah, K-State's always been a thorn in the side of uh, Oklahoma. Uh, Iowa State's – always been a, th- a thorn in Texas's side. Um, I-, I know that they're set the final game, their final road trip will be in Ames at the end of the year. Uh, Texas has had some nightmare 
trips to Ames over the last couple of years. I mean, the famous one a couple of years ago where they lost by 30 and the, the, the famous for recording on, uh, on the bus, but that was at the beginning of Sarkeesian era. We'll see what happens. Jay, any final thoughts before we get out of here? You're on Texas to win the game Saturday. You, you, you got them covering the six and a half too, right? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, and I, I, I know it's off topic, but, uh, I'm also taking Kentucky money line on Georgia. Okay. Oh, wow. There, there's a hot take. Um, <laughs> whoa, shit. Hey, you're an Aggie, man. We do the Aggies get Alabama on Saturday, man. Uh, I, I stay away from betting or making predictions about, <laughs> uh, a when I can, uh, I think Alabama wins that game. Uh, but I think AM has a real shot. What it, what it comes down to is uh, the Texas AM defensive line, who's just been great these past two weeks. Uh, yeah. 30 tackles for loss, uh, several sacks. I mean, 30 tackles for loss in two games is, is a defensive lineman's dream, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think that could change the, the landscape of this game against Alabama. But I just think Milrow is going to hit a couple of deep shots that, uh, that win the game for the tide. Yeah, I, I mean, Saban, Saban still remembers that game two years ago. They can get him back to back. I, I will be there. So, uh, yeah. you know, oh, I, I'm hoping I'm hoping that uh, we're going to have uh, a big, uh, big crowd going because that is for the SEC West lead. Yes. Yeah, I, honestly, the driver's seat, especially with LSU losing two games. So I know it's Big 12 channel, but uh, yeah, I mean, we still we still pay attention to the national landscape. So. Everybody get over there and follow Jay Arnold over at the Aggie War Pod and get back. Coach, you got any other avenues you want to plug? Shout out to Cameron Kerr, your buddy, by the way, for this graphic. He is responsible for uh, the horns down. So all you sensitive-ass bitch uh, Texas fans out there, go tweet him. <laughs> yeah, the, it is a horns down podcast. Uh, so, yeah, no, go tweet Cam Kerr. You got anything else you want to plug, uh, Jay? Nah, I mean, give us a listen on the Aggie War Pod. Uh, we talk a lot of different stuff. The get back coaches around the world of college football, uh, a lot of stuff there. If, if you want to check out some of my writing, uh, you can also find me on Good Bull Hunting, which is Texas A&M's SB Nation site. Uh, you have Apollo Houston, which is where I do the Tailgate Chronicles, uh, a series where I go around and check out tailgates at uh, different schools. Just posted my whiteout review uh, up on there. Uh, and then I have my personal Substack newsletter, Barbecue Bets and Beats, where I talk about smoked meats, uh, sports bets, which I'm not great at, and then uh, <laughs> musical suggestions for the weekend to get you through the day. Well, there you go. Go check out all Jay's work. Jay, we got to have you back on. Uh, I wish we could get the Aggies back in the Big 12, but uh, that's not going to happen. But we'll have you back on on the Big 12 College Experience. Or, of course, oh, go check out the College Basketball Experience. Start our conference previews. Big 12. Best damn league in America, man, by far. It's going to be another electric year over in the Big 12. Go check out the main show, the college football experience. Those guys are doing great work. And, of course, uh, go check out the FCS college experience. Don't don't forget about the FCS. They, yeah. They're not into all this conference expansion bullshit with uh, TV. So hey, go South check Dakota, out that. At North Dakota State last week, a little FCS action for you. Not, not oh, South yeah. Dakota State, South Dakota, the Coyotes, not the, uh, not the Jackrabbits. Yes, no doubt. Yes, yes. The Coyotes, <laughs> baby. I love the Dakotas, man. So, yeah, go check out all the great work. Go check out the main sports gambling podcast. We're back Thursday uh, picking these five games, uh, giving our betting previews. Hopefully we hit another 33-1 to one money line parlay like we did uh, week three, I think it was. Um, 
So hopefully we can give that out. I mean, there's a couple dogs we could um, we could spotlight. We just went through the five games, but we'll be back Thursday. Troy and Rush will be back. Uh, enjoy, uh, I guess, the MLB playoffs. That's what we got going on until uh, we got, what, uh, two straight months of football every single night with Conference USA. Finally, these damn leagues are playing on weeknights. It's okay to play on Wednesday night. It's okay to play on Tuesday night. The MAC doesn't have to be the only league that plays. Put the fucking games on. We'll bet them. We'll watch them. Please, college football, put us in charge. We know what the hell we're doing. Good luck, everybody, and uh, let it ride.